Welcome to Minx Your Morning, a podcast and Instagram live show brought to you by me, Liat Horowitz, your coach and cheerleader, helping you live the life you love. This is the daily dose of motivation you need to lift your spirits, clarify your goals, and set your intentions for a power day ahead. Stick with me to learn how to minx your morning and elevate your life. What happens when you bring together six independent, strong, and smart working women? Well, it's pure magic. And it's called Minx Mode, a supportive, inspiring, and motivational mastermind that I dreamed up just a few months ago. My vision was to bring together like-minded, growth-orientated working moms and business owners to create a powerful experience of energy and support. Today, I want to share some of this magic with you. In my first ever podcast episode with multiple guests, I am honored to introduce you to the following six women who are not only my clients, but they are also part of my current Minx Mode Mastermind. Ashley Gorin Gibson is a privacy consultant and lawyer. Kieran Powers is both a manager for the COVID-19 vaccine implementation at the Ministry of Health, and she also started a non-for-profit organization called Beacon, helping families find the light in the darkness after baby loss or preemie birth. Next up is Jennifer Capadani, who is the founder of the accounting firm JKCPA. We also have Cheryl Tang, who's a senior compensation specialist, as well as Karen Bramhill, who's the director of emergency readiness for the Canadian Red Cross. And she's also an artist at Karen Bramhill Art. Last but not least, we have Francesca Branston, who is the founder of Care Club and also the co-founder of Side Hustle to CEO. Listen in to learn from these remarkable women as they share their wisdom, insights, advice, and even some secrets behind what it really takes to be a working mom who's prioritizing herself, her work, and her family in this day and age. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for being here, all of you. To coordinate a time where everybody was available to do this episode makes me really, really grateful and I'm so appreciative. We're going to jump straight into it and I'm going to start with the first question. What was the biggest challenge that you faced when it came to running and starting your business in the first six months? I'm going to head over to Jennifer and ask you to start. So I think a lot of it had to do with figuring out exactly what it was I wanted to offer. So I'm an accountant and that term can be very broad. There's a lot of different things that accountants can do. And in the beginning, I thought I would do them all and very quickly realized that that was not feasible. So I think just figuring out exactly who I wanted my clients to be, if I wanted to focus on any sort of industry, and really just figuring out how I wanted to serve those people the best. So I think starting with figuring out who my dream client was and kind of working backwards from there was really helpful. But I think that absolutely was the ongoing struggle and also saying yes to too many things, which kind of goes hand in hand with that wanting to do everything, saying yes to too many things and not being careful with my time in that way. Oh, you have raised such a, such an important point. And I don't even know if 
if it's only in those first six months, right, that that happens because mm-hmm. when you start your own thing, you just want to be everywhere. You want to do everything. You're so into it, right? Yeah, it's an ongoing practice really to be careful with my time, be selfish with my time, really. is mm. the best way I can think of it, yeah. I love that. So can I just ask one sort of extra little question for you, Jen? Mm-hmm. Then I think it's very difficult for a lot of new business owners to actually define the market or at least the dream client or a niche of some sort. I know that I had mm-hmm. that experience as a coach in the beginning. You kind of feel you should be choosing an area, but it's quite yeah. difficult, right? So what would you say helped you to define that even further for yourself? This may sound really like fluffy and woo-woo, but I think like visualizing how I saw myself as a business owner, like how I felt servicing Mm -hmm. my clients, visualizing what like I wanted my future office to look like and the type of people I want to work with. And that kind of helped define, okay, well, what kind of clients are going to allow me to do that and bring me joy to work with? Because that was one of the things I visualized. I visualized joy in my business and being happy and proud to do what I'm doing. And I think that really helped to figure out from a numbers perspective too, what kind of money I wanted to make. And then that also helped define who my dream clients should be. Beautiful. So in short, you did the work, Jen, you did the work yes, and you, you thought have to about do the work. It. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now we're moving on to Francesca. Tell us your perspective of the biggest challenge when it came to starting your business. Businesses in your um, case. <laughs> yeah. Well, to give context, I started all of my businesses in the midst of the pandemic. So it didn't, none of these ideas even existed before that. And so my biggest challenge was childcare. And saying that because I'm sure a lot of people listening maybe have more kids than they can put into childcare. And then you have to weigh it up against your time, the cost of childcare and not having any money to pay for it. So that was a real challenge having to work in nap time, having to kind of work out how I could do it cost effectively. In fact, when I started, childcare weren't even open. So there wasn't any option to put my kids anywhere to start anything. And then I very much resonate with what Jen just said about visualizing. And my businesses kind of came from visualizing what I wanted to do with myself all day, because it was very different to what I was doing before, because I was in you know, the hair industry. And so it was a bit of a departure from there. But other than that, my biggest struggles were cash flow because I had no no money to invest into my business. So I had to be creative there. The energy it takes to put into sales and then keeping that momentum because you, you can often get loads of sales off the bat. Everything's really exciting and you're like, go, go, go. And then you don't keep that momentum going for when those sales have come to an end and being like, when is the next sort of round of money coming in, especially for me where I run mostly groups. So yeah, keeping things going was one of my biggest challenges, childcare and cash flow. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. I'm so happy you brought this up because I don't know if people know this about you, but Fran has three really young kids, like pretty much back to back and being home technically alone because your husband was working full time and managing these kids and home care and everything like that. And and still being able to carve out time for herself and for her business. And so I just want to say that you have always been remarkable in my eyes, in the sense that you always carved out the time for yourself and for work, even though you had this massive challenge of of taking care of three babies at home. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you pointed that out, but I have to tell you, if anyone is struggling with it, if Fran can do it, you can do it. (laughs) A hundred percent. And I'm still doing it just to be 
transparent. I only have 12 hours of childcare a week or maybe 13 in total. Wow. So yeah, it's an ongoing, ongoing process. I'm challenged to. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate your kind. Okay. We're moving on to the next question. And this is about programs and experiences. What kinds of programs and experiences have you invested in and why? And we'll start this one with Jennifer. So I'm a big fan of coaching, which, you know, is appropriate considering Liette is a coach. (laughs) But I also believe that people might need different coaches for different stages of their life. And when I didn't know what the heck I was going to do with my life, I knew I needed to change something. So I worked with you, Liat, and do basically a deep dive into my life to figure it all out, deciding to start my business. But then when it came to actually starting my business and trying to, you know, get that off the ground and running, then I started to work with a business coach. So someone who specialized in helping female entrepreneurs get their businesses off the ground and running. So I think that having that person in your corner is is so key and so valuable, especially if you're trying to run your own business. We cannot know everything. And I think having someone to help guide you on that path or help to get you over a certain hurdle, I think is extremely important. And I've also learned the value of investing in myself. And so investing in yourself personally as an individual away from the business, because it's really easy to get consumed by all of it. And as much as I love it, it brings me joy. If I'm not careful, it can bring me a lot of stress. So I recently started working with a naturopath as well to kind of recenter the focus back to me and my self-care and practicing self-compassion. So I think having a third party in my corner objective third party is something I've invested in and has brought me, the returns have been crazy, have been wonderful. Beautiful. So thank you for your kind words. The reason I wanted to ask this question specifically to you, Jen, and then we'll move over to Karen in a second, is because I know that the two of you, if not all of you in some ways, have invested in yourselves in different ways, whether it's coaching or therapy or naturopathy, like you're just saying, Jen, that's fantastic. Or even this mastermind that you joined for support. I know you belong to mom's groups on Facebook and and other groups. And I think it's really important for people to understand they're not alone. And that's why I love shedding light on the fact that there are so many options. You don't have to work with just one coach. You don't only have to work with a coach, but to invest in something in yourself to help you in this process, I think is really important. So Karen, tell us about your experiences and your investments. Thanks so much, Lizette. So happy to be here. So for me, 2021 was the first time that I invested in anything like coaching or programs or education for myself to grow my business. I realized that when I wanted to turn my side hustle into a proper business that I really needed support and I wanted to do it in community. That was really important to me, particularly since all of this arise during our COVID era where we were all so separated and were really yearning for that type of connection. And so in addition to this beautiful group that I'm a part of and have really learned from in various women who are all in different industries and in stages of their careers, I also did some programs and education around how specifically I can grow my art business, how I can diversify some of my art, and then really went all in into looking at various, joining various masterminds, soaking in all the information basically I could get to really help me 
grow as an individual, to help me with my mindset, and to help me with my skills. And I think that the benefit of doing something like a coaching program and doing it in community is that you don't feel like you're alone and you can really bounce ideas off of each other to help you whenever you're stuck or, you know, you need to move forward. Because I think the biggest thing and lesson for me has been every day doing that 1%. And if you can have people who help you get that 1%, it just makes all the difference. Beautiful. I will also go so far as saying, I remember there was someone that you ended up speaking with who perhaps is a mentor to you in a way, another fellow artist that, um, was a connection between all of us. And I think there's an important message there in the fact that mentorship is still alive and is real. And whether someone agrees to physically be your mentor and like on an ongoing basis, or you're just reaching out to people who inspire you and who you want to learn from, don't be shy of doing that. My next question is about how you decide whether you start your own business or you stick to your corporate job. So I would love to hear from you, Ashley. Let me know your thoughts. I think it's it's a very personal decision for everyone. And there's a level of comfort about your personal situation that each person has to evaluate. So one thing when I was making this decision was how comfortable am I at my corporate job? And am I comfortable to take that leap to start my own business, which has some level of risk with mm. finding new clients, having monetary stability, benefits, all of these things are things we have to take into consideration when deciding, okay, do you stay with kind of that safety net of corporate or do you go off on your own? And each one has its risks. So it's really a question of where do you feel that you're stable enough? Because at a corporate job, you're at the risk of your employers, of the people around you. They have the power. You don't get to make decisions. But then on your own, there's that financial risk and the benefits. So these are things that I think you have to weigh. And then on top of that, just your own passion and your freedom. And where does your passion come out? Where are you living your best life? And to the extent that that can all line up, that's your answer. Absolutely. I completely resonate with that because when I was leaving my corporate job, I was literally weighing up those pros and cons. But you know what? I find that even when you know in your heart that perhaps you want to choose or stick with either option, it's sometimes easier said than done, right? So I just want to know from your perspective, what gave you the strength and the motivation and the push to actually step away and start your own thing? Well, for me, I was actually starting to get the clients while I was still working in a corporate job. The opportunities were coming to me. And so it was somewhat of an easier transition than probably a lot of people have because I had the business coming to me. I had opportunities already available. I had money coming in. So I knew the demand was there. I knew it was something that... I would have an easier landing than sometimes people have. So I've spoken to other people where, for example, they'll say they saved up a certain amount of money first. But for me, since I knew I had these contracts coming in, I had the clients coming to me and I kept getting more people reaching out to me to do some privacy work with them. It was kind of this testing of the waters where people, it was felt like a demand and my life pull. It was just leading there. It was the path was going towards me going into this work. And I felt like every corner I turned kept leading me back to that same path. 
So it was that combination of the comfort of the fact that I had See, I was seeing the clients coming to me. I was seeing the business interest there and my life was leading me there. My passion was leading me there. So when I talked about earlier, weighing those two sides, it all just clearly answered for me. This is where you belong. I love your perspective because it's reality. It doesn't mean everybody has to have the clients flowing in or the demand flowing in. However, you were practical enough to see both sides, and then you were able to weigh it up and make a decision going from there. That is awesome. And I'm so proud of you. Now we'd love to hear from you, Cheryl. Thank you, Liette. So, I mean, it's such a difficult decision and it was a very difficult decision when I was, you know, faced with going back to corporate or continuing on my own with the consulting business. And, and I think part of the big factor at the time was that, you know, we were in the midst of a pandemic. I was coming back from six months of maternity leave. And and prior to this, I was still self-employed. So, you know, the variables at that time when I considered what I needed for my family, where I was in my career and, and, you know, quite frankly, conversations with you, it led me back to the corporate world as much as I resisted it at first. I think it ultimately, it was the right choice for me and the right choice really for my family. So I think depending where you are in your life, where you are in your life journey, I think that plays a lot into it. And also knowing that this isn't a forever decision. And that's one thing that you said to me that resonated so much was that it's not a forever decision. Does it mean that in three years or when the kids are in school full time that I can't go back and and make another go at running my own business and consulting with more experience under my belt? When you say that, all I'm taken back to is you're reminding me of what I said to you. I'm thinking back to when I went back to my corporate job after the first, second, and then ultimately the third child, knowing that that wasn't where I was going to be long-term, but that moment in time, in that phase of my life, it was where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so going back to it, and I have absolutely no doubt you're doing the exact same thing. You're like milking it for all it's worth. You're showing up, you're working hard, you're completely dedicated and in it. And who knows what the future will bring. And I felt the same way with my corporate job at the time. And it lasted 13 years for me right? That I was in corporate world. And then at some point when the time is right, then if you want to, you can move out and try again, which is awesome. Yes, very much though. And I think it's that always the opportunity. It doesn't mean that just because I choose something now that I can't possibly have that opportunity later on. Beautiful. I love it. You know, people ask me this question all the time, and I'm curious to hear from some of you amazing minxes as to how you would tell someone wanting to go all in on their business, what would you actually say to them in terms of words of advice, wisdom, and the right motivation if they were interested in going all in? Ashley, how about you? I love this question. I think I would say go for it with all exclamation points, all capitals, go for it with everything you've got. Because if that's where your heart is leading you and that's where you feel that you want to go, I personally think there's nothing better you can invest in than yourself and your future. And that will just 
amplify when you follow your best path. That is the best thing for yourself and everyone around you, your family, your clients, because you do, when you're in your right niche, you're in your right field, your clients are better served, you are happier. So it brings out a better side of you. It makes you work better, everything about it. And just to add to that, I heard someone say early on to me, I was in the room where they said, leap and the wings will appear. And I have just come back to that time and time again. It's the kind of quote that makes my, gives me goosebumps, makes my hair stand on end, leap and the wings will appear. And I've tried to live with that in mind ever since that if you're feeling that, embrace it, go for it. And the wings will appear. This circumstance will, will make itself right for you. If you're aligned with your calling, your purpose, your passion, you have done the research, you have realized what your options are, weighed up the pros and cons, put yourself out there, seen if there's demand and supply, and you really are aligned and you're at that point where like you really want to put your foot on the gas and like go full speed ahead. We are saying that at that point, we are totally aligned in the sense that we think you should do it. And I'd be curious to hear from Francesca as to what her thoughts are on this matter. I mean, I guess looking back from my own experience, I'm in a, diff a different boat because I'm not like jumping from one thing to another in that I don't have a job that I'm leaving per se. But I think it, you can still create the same problem because you can still be like holding yourself back with some form of limiting belief. And for me, like my limiting belief, as I've mentioned in my other answers is that like childcare is always a problem but it's kind of again taking the leap to be like well I need more childcare and like chicken and egg you've got to do one to get the other so I would say work on what your limiting beliefs are and see how like much they're in your head and how much they are reality look at ways you can problem solve them and then go for it, really, because you're going to have to do it at some point. And if you're questioning it, you're probably ready to go all in, I find. Like, if you're thinking, should I go all in? The answer is probably yes. It's a case of how you make it happen. And just know that it's nerve wracking for anyone, or it certainly is slash was for me. And it's part of being an entrepreneur, really. Like, you've got to cheerlead yourself a lot of the time. You've got to be, I believe, like, working on yourself constantly to have that self-confidence to make the next step to you know goal in whatever all in means to you whether it means to launch your business or to go in the next step or to leave your day job or whatever I think self-confidence belief in yourself and having your own sort of navigate like path that you're trying to navigate really clear to you like having that vision because ultimately, if you don't know what all in looks like, how do you go all in anyway? <laughs> I find that a lot of our limiting beliefs are just stories we're telling ourselves rather than like truly like the reality because we all have the same things available to us. The world is limitless if you believe you can get whatever you want and if mm. you can also action that, right? I know that some people live with more privilege and more opportunities, but ultimately there's people who've had every disadvantage and make it big. And there's every people who have every advantage and like squander it all. So yeah, I think that we can really take some time to work on ourselves, what our beliefs, our limiting beliefs are, and then put our energy positively into focusing on what we can do. And even to like call on my own experience where like childcare is an issue or it's always been an issue. And I know I spoke about this before, but 
what do you have available? Like, okay, so childcare is my issue. I've even in a pandemic, I've had pockets of time where the kids are napping and I can get my eldest to watch TV. So then you work within what you have there, right? And I think there's always opportunity when you're looking for it and when you're positively moving forward and you're focusing on what you have available, not what you don't. It's easy to get caught up in the negative cycle, I know, but um, that's that's probably it in a nutshell from me. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. And it brings me intense pride to listen to you talk about it because you have all of my clients, I'm not saying one more importantly than other, but you are such an example of grit and tenacity when it comes to raising three young kids and getting your own multiple businesses up and running and continuously Mm. trying and continuously pivoting and continuously working on yourself and investing in yourself. You said it so perfectly, those limiting beliefs, as much as people may or may not want to believe this or hear it, they really are what stands in your way between you and the successful version of you and or you and the status quo, keep yourself where you are, like don't try different things kind of you because we all have those limiting beliefs. It's just that some of us oh my God. work on them all harder the- than others, right? Yeah, and they aren't reality. They're our thoughts. They aren't, mm. That's what I always have to tell myself and, um, I'm sure you see this a lot being a coach that you can hear how people talk and you're, I can really recognize it now where someone says, well, I can't do that because, and you're like, can you, or are you telling yourself that, or it's not going to help if you say and can't, I know I've heard you use like, like use certain language where it's like, I, I can't yet, or like, you know, just reframing what your reality is in order to call in what you actually want. Like, I think there's no better way to get what you want than like, act really positively now because you're bringing in more of that energy and I think that's what I fall back to when I get stuck about making a big leap or really moving forward in any way beautiful I love it thank you we are on to the next question and that is for those of you who have day jobs I want to know from you how do you manage it all What would your advice be to others who have day jobs but are also called to do something else for themselves? Kieran, let's hear from you. Last October, I started Beacon, which is an initiative or a side hustle, whatever you want to call it, in honor of my two sons, Beckett, who died shortly after he was born, and Lincoln, who was born extremely prematurely at 22 weeks and is now a thriving wild three-year-old. I started it with a lot of ideas about how I was going to support families going through similar experiences. And then in this past February, I was presented with an opportunity to work on the vaccine rollout for the province of Ontario, so COVID-19 vaccine. This is a very big job. It's much more than full-time. And so I tried to take that on while also continuing to work with the momentum I had for Beacon, also trying to be a great mom and do a whole bunch of other things. I learned pretty quickly that, quite frankly, you can't do it all. I wasn't going to do anything well if I tried to burn the candle at both ends. And if I did, I was going to burn out and be no good to anyone, not to my employer, not to my family and not to the people I was trying to support. 
really the biggest lesson that I've learned through this is to be kind to yourself. It's okay to say that you can't do this one thing. It's okay to put things aside for now if you need to. It's been a tough lesson to learn. I'm not really good at saying no. I'm not really good at slowing down on things that I want to do. So I've really had to take a step back and say, okay, Beacon, you know, right now it can't be my priority, but these ideas aren't going anywhere and I still want to do this. It's still my passion, but you know what? I'm doing something incredibly important with my job right now. It's a hopefully once in a lifetime pandemic, a once in a lifetime job to really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. So that's what I have to go with right now. And that's okay. So really biggest lesson is just to be kind with yourself and give yourself a little bit of grace. Thank you so much, Kieran, for being so honest and and open about your experiences and your thoughts when it comes to this. You really offered us such an important reminder. So I'm really grateful. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear from Karen. Karen, tell us, how do you manage it all? This is another great question. I think as women, as mothers, we always feel like we're trying to do it all. And if you have another passion that you're really called to do on top of um, all the other things you're doing, especially if you have a full-time job, it can be really tricky and it can be and feel overwhelming on how you're ever going to find time to do this. But the way that I look at it is this is what really drives me and this is what really gives me life. And so it's part of my self-care is part of doing something for me. And so I just find the time to do that, whether it's evenings or a couple moments on the weekends where I can pick up my paintbrush and paint. I always have my paint supplies out. So at any moment, if I can go and paint for a little bit of time, I do that. I try to be as consistent as possible. So always being able to keep up that practice but I give myself grace and flexibility because I know that as with many things, it comes in seasons and you have seasons of rest, you have seasons of great productivity and creativity and ideas are just flowing. And I try to move with within those seasons and not kind of force it when it's not there. But I think if you're consistently practicing what you want to do and consistently putting in the time even if it's just a small amount of time here and there, you see progress and you see movement. And it brings me joy to be able to do the things that I want to do outside of my nine to five and just continuing to have that vision of where I want to go, where I am going and what I'm doing to move towards that direction, I think is how I look at it. So we're going to change gears for a second because what I want to talk about now is the concept of creativity and how people are managing to still carve out something truly authentic and creative for themselves. And looking at this group of you amazing minxes, (laughs) there's two of you in my mind that stick out when it comes to this. And that's Karen and Francesca. I'm curious from the two of you how you managed to stay true to your creative self and still be able to do creative things just for you during COVID with your kids and work and all other pressures around you. Franny, how about you? First of all, you told me to read Big Magic about a year ago. Maybe it was a little more than that. And that was huge for me. Like if anybody's a creative and listening to this and hasn't read it, 
you should read it 100% like you have to read it and if you have read it you'll know what I'm talking about but you know I won't go too much into the actual book itself but it kind of just taught me that creativity could be any idea that pops into your head creatively and it doesn't have to be like a business idea or something that makes money or fine art painting even I know even though I know Karen is incredible at that I always thought like creativity had to be like literal art and I started thinking about it more differently like I could be creative in the way I dress which is something that comes naturally when you're talking about authenticity and I just started to try and carve it into my day-to-day and so for me it can look like more abstract things like going roller skating because I love it and giving myself a bit of space to have creative ideas and let those ideas kind of come into my life without forcing it, which Big Magic talks about a lot, that if you're kind of trying to manifest that creativity, that you don't have to be like, give me an idea right now. You might go do something that you're having pure joy from, like I said, roller skating or whatever you find to be fun. And it will just pop into your head when you're giving yourself that space. So I found that to be like a huge epiphany for me. And yeah, I try to carve it into whatever I do, like into my branding. When I send out thank you notes from my company, basically, I made the art that go on them just out of like little squiggle drawings I did on my iPad and giving myself the permission, I guess, to do those things and it not be like, oh, this is a piece of art. It's like, no, this just looks fun. It represents me. And that's going to go on my thank you cards rather than looking for a stock image or going and buying a pack of cards elsewhere. I just tried to weave a bit of myself into everything. And that made it feel authentic because it was just me being me, if that makes sense. Must be creative today. And (laughs) what do creatives do? I was looking at it much from more from a point of like, what do I enjoy? What's fun? And if I wasn't being paid or even thinking about money from anything, how would I go about this? Beautiful. I love that point. And I distinctly remember it was for sure during the pandemic that I would watch your Insta stories and there you were with your little pot plants and you were busy gold leafing (laughs) them and repurposing furniture and just painting and doing. This was way before Care Club, way before anything else. But it was leading you somewhere, even though you didn't know where. And I think this is why I wanted you to shed light on it because you really believed that like just to see it through was going to get you somewhere, wherever that might be. And I just love that about you. I think it's an evolution too, right? Like I think a lot of that period of time where I was like so immersed in the creativity right after reading Big Magic and having all of these ideas, that actually what I learned from that was that to be able to scale it, it would take the joy out of the creativity And I actually wanted to go about it the other way because I was like, okay, I could make pots and I was having so much fun doing it. And everyone was messaging me saying, you should sell these. But when I did the maths, I was like, I have to sell, you know, however many hundred of these pots. And then is it the thing that I do for like peace and creativity? No, because then I'm like mass producing, which was great because it was a great realization to be like, I love doing this. But I need what I do to make money and it not to take over my life and my home. And so, I took the creative piece and almost flipped reversed it into like, how can I make money? What's scalable? And what can I do that is enjoyable as a job on the amount of time I have, which was very little, as you know, and then I'll make that creative and then I'll go paint my pots for fun. 
not trying to answer like your end question when you start out, like just doing things creatively that feel authentic, I think will then develop into the plan rather than having to figure it all out at once, like allowing yourself the evolution. And, you know, I've evolved in another year from having the idea with Care Club and kind of progressing from there. And I think sometimes if I tried to figure out where I'd be now, I'd have done it all wrong. It's all just happened Mm. the way it should have, I guess. Absolutely. I just love your point of view. And all I will say to you is you've just got to keep going and keep creating, Mm. friend. You gave me the word unstoppable. So there we go. go. (laughs) Absolutely. Now we're going to turn to Karen and hear from the artist herself as to how she managed this. This is a great question. For me, being creative is part of who I am, part of my being, part of how I express myself and ground myself. So even through COVID, even through having a full-time job and the kids and all of the things, what I really felt helped me was being able to follow what I call the 1% rule. So every day doing 1% of art or creativity or something that was moving me forward towards my business and my expression. So even if that was just picking up the paintbrush and being able to move paint around or posting something on my website or being able to generate an idea for my next painting. It was really being able to stay true to moving the needle just a little bit. Didn't have to be something grand or big or overwhelming, but just something that allowed me to move forward in my creativity and put that as part of my practice every day, I think really helped me to carve out space for myself. And it felt like I could do it in a way that wasn't overwhelming and didn't feel like too much. And that's really what I've done every day is just uh, a little bit of painting or a little bit of uh, creativity every single day. Okay, we're moving on to the next question. We're going to talk about navigating yourself and your life while dealing with heartache, challenge, unforeseen stress or sadness. So on top of the pandemic with work and families, how did you maintain your self-composure and keep moving forward. Kieran, let's start with you. So I've been doing therapy since Beckett died and I actually started a form of trauma therapy when the pandemic started to sort of deal with some of those flashbacks and PTSD. And I started medication. I went on some antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. I think I was kind of white knuckling it for a while, trying to be a martyr. Oh, I don't need that. And then I realized, why am I doing this when there's medication that can help? And then just really sort of having my outlet. So Beacon is my outlet. Writing is my outlet. Being able to channel my grief and my trauma into something that I hope will make a difference for other people really helps me, even though it can be really heavy holding space for other people's grief and trauma. For me, the thought that my boys will make a difference in someone else's life is a way for me to honor them, particularly for Beckett to honor his, you know, short life and in helping others sort of navigate similar journeys. So that I think has been a big thing for me. And my other coping mechanism is dark humor. I'm a big fan of dark humor, which some people know. And yeah, just having outlets, I think, in, in my life in order to kind of channel the grief and the trauma and the pain. Kieran, I have to thank you right now for that. Just good old honesty. 
I think we all need to hear that that whole concept of being a martyr, it really has no place. It has no place. It has no value. It has no worth. There's no point to it. And people are going through really hard things. Your lot that you've been handed and that you've been dealing with is really quite remarkable. And the way that you still show up from my perspective, and I know that other minxes feel the same, that you still show up and you still try with your dark humor, with your bad days, with your moments, you still show up and you keep trying and you show up to work doing something to help others get the vaccine and make sure that they're safe. And then you're still continuing with Beacon and your family and your son and your husband and everything else. It's truly remarkable. So thank you for being so honest and open and sharing all of that. I think anyone who's struggling, especially when they're questioning medication, if it suits you, listen to what Kieran is saying, perhaps seek some help, see if it's suitable for you and go from there. Those are beautiful words. And I thank you very much. Now we're going to ask Cheryl the same question. Cheryl, what do you think about this? So I think, you know, on top of all the stress that every one of us has faced during the pandemic, and I think it goes into recognition that some of us may have other challenges or or things that we're faced with that we don't expect even in the best of times. And, and, you know, certainly our family was no stranger to that. And I think part of it is admitting that, yes, we got news about one of our, our children and, and allowing ourselves that moment to really just feel it and be okay with it and be upset and angry and cry. And I mean, not in front of the children, because of course, you know, <laughs> they already feel so much with all the stress, but I think that's part of what helped me get through the news that we received and you know certainly yes like I said it's just just allowing yourself that grace but knowing that with it there's there's beauty behind it right and that we're lucky to be his parents and to be here for for his journey wherever it takes him and 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 his potential and recognizing that even though we don't have our village today doesn't mean that they're not a quick phone call away so they've shown up as much as they can possibly and and certainly both um, my partner and I, Rob, we're, we're very blessed with a very strong and wide, you know, support network, not only within the family, but also, you know, the family that we get to choose, which is our friends. And, and you know, as we've slowly shared our news with them, everyone's just been like, I can't imagine what you're going through, but, you know, we're here for you. And I think knowing that even though we can't be physically together, that they're there with us as much as possible. So I think certainly, you know, allowing ourselves to just embrace that moment and knowing that even during these challenging times, however it may be, our village is still somewhat there in the background. It is very interesting to hear your perspective because unforeseen loss that my family experienced a few months ago, I found myself trying to take my moment, have my cry, do my thing, have a day, whatever it was. And then the next day I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Like I'm back to it. But it would hit me really quickly and I would suddenly find myself crying or feeling down or whatever it was sort of first thing in the morning. And it kind of shocked me. So what you're saying, and I agree with, is that fact that you can't put a timeline on the feeling and being in it. And so accepting that and actually taking the time out to feel it, to do the crying, to wallow in it in a way is actually really important. We have to give ourselves permission to do that. So I really love that you shared that perspective. Thank you. And also you raised a really interesting bit, which is about the village because COVID 
took the village away to some degree. Would you say it's been an adjustment for you to figure out how and what you need to ask for from your village when and if you need something? I think it's certainly, I mean, even once we told our village, I think even the, recognizing that we wouldn't have told them the way we normally would have. Part of it, I think, is recognition that it took us longer than probably normally it would to share the news with our village. And even, I mean, back to your question of, you know, how do we ask them for what we need? I think it, it's hard because quite honestly, what we need is just a hug <laughs> to be able to give them a hug and have them give us a hug. And because, mm. you know, part of that is just, you know, no matter how much you have words, it's just sometimes you just need that physical touch and presence and that, that yes. presence and that reassurance in in the comfort and security of knowing that you know however they can be within their busy lives you know that they're there in your back pocket even if it's just as to, to rant and rage and vent or just say I don't know what to do like I just mm. want to cry and be mm. okay with that so I think you know certainly asking for help has come in many different forms and certainly it, it's a little bit harder to, to put into words what it is that we need because we've had so much space. Absolutely. And you've never been through something like this before. So how would you know what you need? Right? Exactly. And that may change from day to day or month to month. Cheryl, thank you so much. And to everyone else, Karen, Karen, Francesca, Ashley, Jen, all of you. Oh, I am just so absolutely grateful for the amazingness and honesty and openness to which you all came to this episode of this podcast and how much you shared and what we've all been through because what it shows is that we are not doing any of this alone whether it's motherhood whether it's entrepreneurship whether it's day jobs whether it's COVID and kids and isolation and pandemic stuff everything we are all going through it together, which makes it feel like we're less alone, which is for sure a help. And when it comes to this mastermind, all I can say is when I created it and, and envisaged it, I never imagined that the six of you would come into it and we would form such a beautiful bond beyond our businesses and our day jobs and our careers. And so I am very grateful and uh, super grateful that you took the time out today to share your insights with us and to answer these questions. And I look forward to getting back to our mastermind and continuing on our path for progress and self-fulfillment and supporting each other in accountability. So on that note, I'm going to love and leave you. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time. If you are interested in joining Minx Mode, the mastermind, I would love to hear from you. I have a new group of Minxes starting really soon, and we would love to have you with us. Simply head to the show notes of this podcast and click on the link to schedule a free discovery call with me to see if this is a fit for where you're at in your life, your business, and your career. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Minx Your Morning. If you enjoyed it and found it valuable, I would love it if you could take a moment to write a short review, rate this episode, and also subscribe to the Minx Your Morning podcast. That way, other passionate and driven people just like you will be able to find it. And if you're interested in kickstarting your dream life, book a complimentary trial coaching call with me over at www dot and come and hang out with me over on instagram 
My handle is at Liat Horowitz. Have a minxful day and see you next time.